This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Proton Pack Podcast. I'm Christian. With me always is the venom to my Eddie Brock, Tony. Say hey, Tone. Hello. We can do whatever we want. We are back for episode 66. <laughs> we are back. It's been a couple weeks. Tony was on vacation last week. And uh, you know, there is a whole slew of new entertainment, geeky, nerdy pop culture news that uh, we want to drop on you guys today. So we're excited to be back and uh, having you guys join us. Yeah, it's great to be back and uh, excited for a fun new episode of the Proton Pat, where we get to talk all things geeky, nerdy, goofy, fun, silly, all that good stuff. Oh, always fun. Well, let's go ahead and kick things off the way we do each and every show with our shameless plugs. It's shameless plug time. It is in these hills that Juan Valdez and his trusty goat gather coffee beans every morning. Money is cool. Uh, I did want to plug our Dog Rescue 501c3 nonprofit Rough Riders dedicated to the transport of animals from the outlying rural shelters where they may not have a chance. Transported into the more metro Reno, northern Nevada area here where we work with uh, other shelters and uh, uh, rescues to find them homes, give them a second chance at life. If you want more information, head over to roughwriters.org or facebook.com forward slash roughwriterssaves. Now, also in our shameless plugs, Tony and I do a little show here each and every day on Phoenix Media. Why don't you tell the folks about it, Tony? Yes, we do a fun morning show called the Christian Phoenix Radio Show. It's your daily dose of laughs and levity in this crazy, crazy world we live in. We feature topics from entertainment, comedy, sports, music, and more. Um, just join us every morning, uh, weekday morning, Pacific time, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Your morning drive will never, ever be the same again. You can check us out on uh, Phoenix Media, the multiverse of pop culture entertainment. And uh, we got a lot of cool things coming up with that. Well, I should say thanks to you. We have a lot of things, but subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Google, <laughs> Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor Breaker. And wherever you get your podcasts and streaming stuff. Exactly. Well said, Tom. Well, in this first segment, uh, you know, over the last few episodes, we've been talking about the Disney Plus shows that, uh, you know, have been airing each week. Um, Winter and the Falcon Soldier. No, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. (laughs) Or, or uh, Or just Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Which is still not even like correctly titled because he's not the Winter Soldier anymore. Exactly. Like Cap and Bucky or something. There you go. I like it. So it wrapped up. In the meantime, uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch has been released. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm enjoying at least the first two episodes so far. But uh, we're not talking Disney Plus shows in this segment. We're actually going to get a review of a movie you saw yesterday. I saw about a week and a half ago. 
a movie <clears throat> that we're so excited for that, uh, well, we'll let you know what we thought about it. Toasty! Talking Mortal Kombat, you know, the James Wan produced rated R Mortal Kombat movie that everybody was looking forward to. It was supposed to be the uh, the anti 1990s one that was PG-13 and hokey. Fatality. Yeah. The previews made it look awesome. Tony and I were super excited <laughs> about it. Uh, I did decide to see it here at home on HBO Max first before going to see it in theaters and Needless to say, I'm glad I did. Um, you know, it, I don't know if you felt the way, same way, Tone. Uh, we haven't talked about this beforehand, but... Uh, no. Had, I thought you went to theaters, so this is cool to hear that you did it on HBO Max, and I went to theaters, so... <laughs> um, I, I think it, a lot of potential. You know, there were scenes that set it up for great action, great special effects, and then it turned around to be cheesy and hokey, especially when they were in Outworld. And uh, the dialogue and the acting was just horrendous. Yes, it was a step up from the 1990s Mortal Kombat movies, but it was nowhere near the expectation I had set for it. It had that potential, but just wasn't quite there. Um, if I had to give it a rating out of 10, I'd give it 5.5. Okay, you're being a little more fair than I was. I I was thinking on a one to ten scale, I was going to give it a five. Okay, it's me. It's mediocre. The movie is definitely blah. Uh, it starts out with potential. It doesn't. Uh, you know, it starts out with a very okay. We got an origin story of Scorpion, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, too. Yeah. So the 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 movie fo- focuses around Sub Zero and Scorpions, uh, but it's really Sub Zero. But it's just kind of lame. There's a uh, guy named Cole, really generic person in the in the Mortal Kombat franchise. He's just set up in the movie, and at first, like he's a cage fighter, but he gets his ass beat, and he doesn't win because his daughter told him to uppercut, which is weird because he looks super young. But then his daughter looks like she's almost like twenty, and then his wife looks like she's just like twenty something too. It's so the the casting it it's hard because I, I thought it was maybe like the stepdad, but he was the real dad. But yep. I digress. They have a birthmark because they're chosen, which is the Mortal Kombat logo. And oh geez, I know you got like 50 seconds and I can't go into details. Let me just wrap it up for you in a horrible review. Bad acting, great action, uh, the fatality. You see better stuff in the trailer than you actually do the movie. Pointless characters, uh, people bitching and whining. There's no Johnny Cage in it, but they set it up at the end. Spoiler alert for a Johnny Cage. But it just, and Liu Kang was terrible in this. He looked like a version of Michael Jackson and Street Fighter's Ryu. It was weird. It was lame. And Kung Lao was cool. Yep. Um, although his finish, like the way he got taken out and on uh, Shang Tsung and everyone's like, oh, won't Raiden be mad? And Raiden's the most pointless character in the movie. Oh my gosh. Anything. My advice to you guys is if you could stream it, it's worth a stream. Skip the theaters. Five out of 10 mediocre movie. Disappointed. Exactly. I'll just leave you guys on this. There was a very wasted opportunity in the pit level stage that uh, you expected to see what would happen in the pit level. It didn't. So with that, folks, we are headed into our break. When we come back, we're going to talk TV news. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Behold my precious. 
Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh -huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack Podcast. We are talking everything geeky, nerdy, pop culture-y. Uh, we just finished up with our review of Mortal Kombat. And again, uh, if you want to save your money, don't see it in theaters. Watch yeah. it on HBO Max if you have like to. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this segment, as we do each and every show, let's go ahead and roll on into the TV news. Bazinga. Cool! The cream of the crop! <laughs> Hey, baby. Let's go, Father. Excellent. Hail to the king. Hail to the king, baby. So uh, this first one excites me. I know it's a show that you haven't gotten into yet, but Robert Kirkman's Invincible has been renewed for season two and season three at Amazon. Kirkman announced the renewal on Thursday on Twitter by calling Stephen Yoon, who voices Mark Grayson, Invincible, to give him the great news. The ultra-violent animated comic book series debuted in March and will have its season one finale well, on April 30th, which has already passed. He said, I'm extremely thankful to Amazon for the support and dedication they've put behind Invincible, Kirkman said in a statement. The comic book is truly a love letter to a genre that Corey Walker and I grew up reading and loving, and it's been a gratifying journey to watch our characters come to life again through the animated series. We're beyond excited to continue the story for at least two more seasons. Uh, Tony, I mentioned I started watching this to you Um Story-wise, fantastic. Animation is great, especially if you love sort of that DC style of animation. Uh, it is ultra-violent. The gore is just beyond incredible. The only downfall, I'd say, is they tried to cram a lot of famous names and voices in there for the voice cast, which doesn't always play so well. You know, they're taking sort of that uh, uh, Owen Wilson, Lightning McQueen approach as opposed to having true voice actors voice the characters. There are some in there, but... Uh, in some cases, they, they just sound stiff and, and it doesn't play well. But the rest of Good it... Good news, everyone. Phenomenal. That's... No, I haven't watched it yet. I'm, I'll probably add it to the list to start watching. I did watch... Uh, I got caught up on uh, <clears throat> the last few days on TV. So I saw Bad Batch, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, Dave Filoni does a great job. It just feels like a basically a sequel to uh, Clone Wars. It's the exactly. same style, everything. So it's a lot of fun. Um, Invincible looks cool. I... Ultraviolet doesn't haunt, doesn't scare me at all. I mean, we just talked Mortal Kombat, so it's not going to be offensive to me. But I look forward to uh, watching it and uh, <clears throat> and giving you uh, my opinion on it. And now, with it, is how many episodes are there? Have you watched them all? I know there's only one season right now. Yeah, so there's eight episodes. Each episode's about forty four minutes long. So uh, you know, it's not a half hour show. It's not a full hour show, uh, but it keeps you engaged the entire time. 
I just finished uh, episode seven, so I'm getting ready to watch episode eight, which is the season finale. And of course, it's going to answer a lot of questions that were set up from the very beginning. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out because it's like The Boys. I, the Boys is something I started to watch and I didn't get very far into it. Not that because it was bad. I just time wise, yep. not a lot of time, but uh, I'm going to try to start making some time to watch some of these things. There you go. Cool. Well, let's move on to another series that I'm sure you'll watch. Uh, Finn Whitrock has landed the role of Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, in HBO Max's upcoming series based on the DC characters. Coming to us from Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim, and Seth Graham Smith. Guggenheim! The HBO Max series will reinvent the classic DC property through a story that will span decades and galaxies. Uh, Here's the official synopsis from HBO Max. Green Lantern reinvents the classic DC property through a story spanning decades and galaxies, as I just mentioned, beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern, secretly gay FBI agent Alan Scott. and Green Lantern! In 1984, with cocky alpha male Guy Gardner and half alien Bree Jarda. Green Lantern! They'll be joined by a multitude of other lanterns from comic book favorites to never before seen heroes. Uh, there is no word yet on when it's going to hit HBO Max. I know they're working on it right now. Um, kind of bummed not to see Hal Jordan in there or um, uh, John Jones. No, John Jones is uh, Martian Manhunter. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get some crap for this, but uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know enough of Green Lantern to save you on that one, bro. I, um, I that's not my forte. Is <laughs> that area? Guy Gardner was always the redheaded one with the bowl cut. I thought he was the worst Green Lantern ever. Hopefully, they do him right in this, though. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm. I look forward. Hey, it can't be any worse than uh, the Ryan Reynolds one. So, <laughs> so that was that was a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. Even he regrets that. And my guess is they're saving Hal Jordan for either later in the series if it takes off or uh, his own standalone DCE um, movie. Now, didn't he meet Blake Lively in that movie, though? He did. He okay, did. well, he got his wife out of it, so it's not a complete regret. Exactly. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think it's... Uh, Reined in a little bit more, especially with the way that these DC shows on HBO Max have been coming along. Uh, I think they'll serve it better than uh, that pile of crap. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. Oh, yeah, Warner Brothers churns out some poopy ass movies. They do. (laughs) Hopefully, not long now. Well, we just saw Mortal Kombat, and that was a joint Warner Brother and uh, New Line, and it was not good. Yeah. Well, let's move on. is good guaranteed to be good it's looking possible that marvel's the falcon and the winter soldier as we mentioned towards the top of the show as well as the upcoming loki series could see multiple seasons but wandavision looks more likely than ever to be a one and done show mm-hmm. IndieWire revealed that falcon and winter soldier would be submitted to the emmy awards in the drama series category whereas wandavision will be submitted to the limited or anthology series categories in part that's because marvel studios doesn't want its streaming series to compete with one another for the same awards, but it also speaks to the studio's future plans. Marvel Studios VP of Production and Development Nate Moore wouldn't outright confirm a Falcon and Winter Soldier Season 2, but does absolutely want to leave the possibility open. Quote, we've definitely kicked around ideas because we always like to keep thinking about where things can go, 
But we also, frankly, in the crush of the pandemic, we're just trying to finish the show and make sure it got out in a timely manner. Hopefully at the end of this season, you will see the potential for what we could tell in a subsequent season, which I think they set up nicely for um, you know, maybe a fourth movie, which we may talk about here in a little bit, uh, or another Cap and Bucky. Um, you know, the dynamic between the two is fantastic. I would love to see more Zemo, where that goes. They're setting up <laughs> Or maybe a Thunderbolts movie with Zemo sort of leading the team. Um, or, you know, just uh, more on what Sharon Carter's doing as the power broker and expanding that idea a little bit more. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I would love a second season of uh, <clears throat> Cap and Bucky. I wouldn't, they need to not call it the Captain America and the Winter Soldier because obviously, you know, he's not that no more. Um, there's a lot more I'd like to see of the characters. Um, I'd like to see. Um, uh, WandaVision would be cool, but you just can't really go that way. It told its story. It did what it's did. It set up what it needs to set up for Dr. Strange. And, um, it served its purpose. It was great as it was. I mean, minus the finale could have been a little better. I mean, cause that show was great. It was every episode got better and better. And just the end, just a couple of disappointing things. I, I had heard Dr. Strange was actually going to make an appearance, yep. but then they didn't want to take away from Wanda and the whole, the woman thing. They didn't want a, another middle-aged white guy to save the day. Although if it serves the purpose of the story you're trying to tell, then just tell that story. Exactly. Because <clears throat> now you're catering to what other people think it should be. But if you're the one creating the vision and the story, go with your vision. Your vision's going to be probably... You know, it doesn't matter which way you go. People are going to bitch either way. Just tell your version of the story. So um, with Love, uh, with Loki, I not having seen even the first season, I can already say, yes, please. Because Tom Hiddleston as Loki is fantastic. Uh, the movie is, or the, his, the show already looks awesome. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, and I know they announced that we're going to get it a couple of days early now. I wonder if they're going to take the Bad Batch approach where they release the first episode on that Wednesday and the second episode on that Friday, and then each subsequent episode uh, each Friday after that. Yeah, that could be good. Either way, I'm looking forward to getting it a few days early. And, uh, you know, like Bad Batch, give that really kick-ass long feel for it, and then mm -hmm. you get the shorter episodes. <laughs> exactly. Either way, we're looking forward to it. And I think, yeah, both uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, whatever name that takes, and Loki could be better suited for ongoing series. Yes. Awesome. Got to find out what goes on with Sharon Carter. Or um, we haven't got there yet, but when we talk about that other thing that's upcoming in movies, then maybe that's where you wrap that up. So. Yeah. Exactly. And then finally here in TV news, it sort of bridges TV and movie uh, a little bit. Well, though Disney Plus has been the streaming home for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and entries from other Marvel series like X-Men and Fantastic Four, Sony's Spider-Man movies have been a conspicuous uh, absence from the platform's library until now. Future Spider-Man titles along with other Sony films will join Disney's library in the future as Disney and Sony have reached a new licensing agreement. Essentially, uh, Netflix has first run rights uh, after the movies uh, air. They'll play there. And then when they run their course on Netflix, they'll be landing on Disney for us to enjoy as a in its entirety. You know, we can see the entire cinematic universe for Marvel the way it's meant to be from a single source on Disney Plus. Are you excited about that? Oh yeah, that's it's good news. I mean, <clears throat> great news for Sony, man. They have they can't really they can do all they want with building this Sony cinematic Marvel universe that they're talking about, but they're better suited to just play ball 
and yep. just because they're going to make their money because they've they've got a great deal with Netflix. They get paid bank for that, and then they have a deal with Disney where they get paid a crap ton from Disney, and their stuff is always going to be on a streaming platform. It doesn't matter. People have Netflix. People have Disney Plus. So very smart on Sony's part, man. Yep. Ride that wave. Ride that money train. Well, folks, that does it for this segment of TV news. We're headed into the break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking the weekend box office, movie news, and our trailer of the week. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, folks, to the Proton Pack podcast. Last break, we talked TV news. Now we're headed into movies, but not before we talk about the weekend box office. Well, moviegoers who were craving a bit of action this weekend got their fix with Wrath of Man, putting it on top of the box office with an estimated opening of $8.1 million. Of course, this reunites uh, director Guy Ritchie with Jason Statham. They'd worked together previously in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Revolver. And uh, you know what? It's for an R-rated movie back in theaters to take that top spot, even with $8.1 million, I think it did pretty well. I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, so far, the worldwide total is $25.6 million, and apparently it also stars Josh Hartnett, who you mentioned earlier. I didn't realize he was even still acting. Yeah, I didn't know he had done a movie in a long time. I remember him being very popular back in the late 90s with uh, The Faculty and uh, Pearl Harbor and Halloween H2O. 30 Days of Night. And- oh, yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. And most recently, I know he was in the Showtime series Penny Dreadful, but even that ran up until what five years ago, six years ago. So yeah, that's good for good on him. Still acting though. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be nice to see him in more projects. Um, moving on in the box office, the R-rated anime Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Tray. Mugen Tray, nah, Mugen, well, Mugen. With another three point zero five million, has a domestic total of thirty nine point six million. At $474 million worldwide. Yeah, dang. Let's hit that ka-ching again. That's a lot of money. Wow. That is huge, especially for an anime that I've never heard of. I know you haven't. No. When I was doing Pop Culture Kaboom with uh, Jimmy, that he talked about it on there a lot. And I, over my head. <laughs> In third place was the craptastic Mortal Kombat. <laughs> With two point million, so far with a domestic total of thirty seven point eight worldwide at seventy two point five, uh, only cost fifty five million to make, and boy does it show. <laughs> oh, it's so disappointing, man. It really was. What, what do you think, too? We didn't talk about it in the review, but Jax's little metal arms. <laughs> put us things. You yeah, can't do anything with these little arms. The little baby arms. Yeah, and then, but it, but he willed his dragon power, and then. All he had to do, he could get his buff metal arms, which is so stupid. Like, wouldn't you just wish for your big buff arms to just come back? Totally, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just realized I forgot to start the clock, so we'll, we'll rough it out. But uh, <laughs> in fourth place, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. That one was a much more enjoyable watch, especially in theaters. Yes. With 1.93 million, bringing its domestic total to 92.9 million, and a worldwide total of... 122 million, which good for them. I mean, making that money. Yep. 
In fifth place, Disney's animated adventure Ryan the Last Dragon brought in another 1.8 million, domestic total of 43.8, worldwide total of 105.7 million. Of course, that doesn't take into account uh, any premier access money that I'm sure skyrocketed that uh, too. Yeah, it's a bummer like that couldn't have gotten a bigger release. I bet it, I bet it's a good movie. I've never seen it though. I'm sure it is too. I'm just going to wait until it comes out on regular Disney+. Plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how I am. I'm also disappointed because Pixar is not releasing uh, their, their – Disney's not releasing the next Pixar movie. Like That's going straight in. Yeah. I think it's called Luca or something it like is. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. They're usually pretty good, so well worth a watch. Rounding out the top 10, you had Separation in sixth place with 1.07 million. Here today with 900,000. Nobody is hanging in there with 760,000. Negan's The Unholy with 730,000. And then Tom and Jerry, who kicked off the summer movie back to theater season with another $426,000. So That's uh, still doing good, man. Yeah, movies we've actually heard of in the top 10. It's crazy. Yeah, well, and we have movies coming out this week, too. Um, I don't know if we'll get to the theater to see any of this week, but uh, Spiral, the book of Saw, comes out this week. Uh, Angelina Jolie movie. Um, I don't have my list in front of me. Those who wish me dead. And that's all HBO Max. Yeah, so those are your two big ones this week. Exactly. Well, folks, that does it for the box office report. Let's go ahead and roll on into the movie news. Movies? Yeah, you are, Doc Brown. Well, in movie news, I think one of the biggest things and something that we were super excited that sort of dropped out of nowhere is our trailer of the week and the brand new trailer for Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Let's go ahead and uh, play that for you guys. We'll uh, take a look and uh, talk about it afterwards. So let's go ahead and go. I say either. You guys say either. I say neither. And I say neither. Neither. Either. Neither. Neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> Yummy. Good evening, Eddie. Hey, Mrs. Chen. Good evening, Venom. Come say hi, Mrs. Chen. He says hi. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. I've been thinking about you, hey? Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number. Because you and I are the same. Every decision we ever make. Who do we leave behind? How do we leave them? Waiting in the darkness for the rescuer who never comes. Welcome back, Eddie Brock. It's been a long time. Miss you. Glad he so lost much. the fro. Monson! <laughs> Soon come chaos. Thank <laughs> you. 
chaos soon come. Is the loneliest number that you ever do? The chocolate delivery hasn't arrived yet. No! We had a deal. What's gonna happen? You gonna stop protecting me? I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen! No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. What? Nothing. Oh, man, that looks good. It um, does look very good. Um, sounds like Venom's voice is a little different, though, huh? Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, I don't know, because Tom Hardy did the voice of Venom in the first one. And yeah, you get that. But, you know, Andy Serkis is directing this one. I wonder if Andy Serkis doesn't voice Venom in in this iteration. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little more lighthearted and funny than the first one. Uh, seems darker than the first one. Um, I hope they give it that R rating that the original Venom was supposed to get. Then they backed it off to PG-13. Right. You know, do it right. And of course, Carnage looks badass. Yeah, he does. And like you said, no fro this time. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. And uh, nice uh, Axel Foley, uh, Beverly Hills cop jacket there. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you get the same tone and, and feel of the original, but, uh, you know, you can definitely see Andy Serkis's influence in directing this one. And, uh, you know, just the fact that they are bringing uh, Carnage into it. Uh, there was also a sneak peek of the actress who will play Shriek, who's another symbiote. And, uh, you know, unlike the first one with characters that uh, the wayward Spider-Man fan really wasn't familiar with aside from Venom himself. Right. So this will kind of explore more of that. And I was reading too, in this, in this universe, they don't know Spider-Man exists. So Interesting. There, won't, there won't be no Spider-Man tie-in or anything like that. So because in in this particular, like where they're at in the story, they don't know he exists. Not saying they couldn't go that route, but just. Interesting. So it may all take place before Spider-Man became Spider-Man and that's how they might explain it away. But we know that in Morbius, which takes place in this universe, you know, we saw Michael Keaton who played the vulture and Spider-Man. So it, it will tie together at some point, just maybe not in this film. Itself. Yeah. Not unless they're just keeping it like close to the, to the vest, which is smart. So, cause this comes out before Spider-Man three. So exactly now moving on uh, inside the Marvel universe, uh, apparently and something we alluded to in the last segment, Marvel studios is developing an Anthony Mackie starring captain America Four feature film and prepping a project that would see Chris Evans return to the Steve Rogers role, according to a new report. On the same day that uh, Sam Wilson suited up for the first time as the all-new Captain America in the finale of Disney Plus as the Falcon and Winter Soldier, The Hollywood Reporter reported series creator Malcolm Spellman will co-write an as-yet-untitled Captain America 4 with series staff writer Dallin Musson. The announcement comes months after the rumored return of Steve Rogers, played by Evans, who was last seen hand- handing the Star-Spangled Shield of Captain America to Mackie's Falcon in 2019's Avengers Endgame. Tony, what do you think about uh, Steve Rogers returning, Sam Wilson taking over the mantle, and then uh, putting a movie around that? Um, is Steve Rogers going to be just like a show, or is it going to be? Or is he just going to be in the movie? I assume based on this that it's he's part of the feature film and we know in the comic book canon that a souped up old Steve Rogers had to come out of retirement at one point to uh, help out be Captain America, those sorts of things. So maybe that's what we'll get in this where he'll play old Steve Rogers, but have those, you know, superpowers again. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting because I know they never specify, like, they don't ever say he's dead. Like, right. Because right. you know he's not dead. He just went back in time to be with Peggy and he got old. That was that was it. Exactly. So. And that's that's the thing. A lot of the rumors are saying that, uh, you know, that timeline version of him that went back to Return the Stones, went back, spent time with Peggy, and he watched all of the series of the Avengers sort of unfold uh, with the other version of Captain America doing what he did. So uh, it'd be interesting to see that explored and see how that they explain yeah. that. I was going to say, I wouldn't mind having a show explaining him going back to put the stones back. Like, because yeah. yeah. that was kind of rushed and you're like, wait, so that meant he had to face Red Squirrel again, or was it Black Widow now at the, you know, since she had to sacrifice herself, you know, and just yeah. cool things to have seen, you'd want to see. So I'd be cool with the Steve Rogers there. Um, but I don't think you need to have him in the Sam Wilson movie. If you're going to go full tilt boogie as him as the new cap, you ride him as the new cap and just go forward. You don't need to, you can have Chris Evans's flashbacks or something, but you won't yeah. need much of him in it. Exactly. I'd actually like to have Sebastian Stan back for uh, Bucky in it. And I would like, uh, I'd like to see Sharon and everything that unhap that unfolded in Falcon and Winter Soldier tie that into the movie. And a little That'd be more, awesome, a little more Zemo dance as well. Yeah, so. Zemo, man, gotta have vicious Zemo, not just on the raft Zemo. Yeah. So these characters are still around. I can't wait to see what they do with them next. So. Yeah. And then finally, in entertainment news, well, Dave Bautista, already a part of the MCU, thanks to his role as Drax the Destroyer and Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. But what would it take for the actor to join the DCEU? Batista has expressed interest in bringing one particular DC Comics character to life on the big screen. During a recent interview at Justice Kong, Con, not Kong, Kong. Batista was asked by a fan to name a DC character he would like to play. At first, Batista goes with the Batman supervillain Bane, but soon more definitive answer falls on the interstellar mercenary Lobo. I could see him playing Lobo, um, you know, especially if maybe James Gunn gets behind the camera, since we know he's already doing the Suicide Squad. Um, we do know that he's probably not going to return as Drax Fallen Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. 3. So, uh, yeah, it might be fun to see him in that role. Real quick, Tone, what's your thought? Yeah, I think he'd be great. He fits in well. And like you said, this will be his final run in Guardians. Eh, but unless he's in the holiday special, then he'll be in that too. But other than that, That'll be the end of Drax. Yep. Speaking of the end of things, this is the end of this segment. We are headed into the break. When we come back, we're going to be talking video game news. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a few. Welcome back, folks, to the final episode of this episode. Sorry, the final segment of this episode. The, the final episode. Surprise. It's over. <laughs> we cover TV news, we covered movie news, and as we do closing things out uh, each and every episode, it's time to talk video games. Hey man, you want to play some video games? Well, Star Wars fans, it appears to finally be happening. We've heard rumors for some time now about a new Knights of the Old Republic video game, be it a remake, revamp of some sort, or something else entirely. Now, we have everything shy of confirmation from Lucasfilm that the project is indeed coming down the pipeline. It has now come to light that Asper Media is developing the long-awaited game. 
The news first surfaced on a recent episode of MinMax. Host Ben Hansen was interviewing reporter Jason Schreier, who is a trusted insider working for reputable sites such as Bloomberg. Hansen prodded a bit about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake, and that's when Schreier revealed that Asper is developing the game. Here's what he had to say. That's true. This is public at this point. I basically confirmed that Asper, which is the company that has ported a bunch of K-O-T-O-R, acronym for it, uh, games, is working on that. So there's your headline, Ben. Now, Tony, I don't know about you. I never played Knights of the Old Republic. It was uh, more of a PC game than the console games. Um, there's a huge following. It is part of Star Wars canon. Is this something that excites you? Is this something you'll pick up if they do either a remake or a new version of it for consoles? No, oh, I'll try it out for sure. I don't know if I'll pick it up. I'm kind of hesitant to pick up any Star Wars games because they're just they're just okay. And then like you get kind of burned. You spend all this money, and then they show up on like Xbox Game Pass for for free. And it's like, well, not for free. You're paying for Game Pass, but it's like, why'd I spend all that money on the game then? Right. Well, what's exciting is, you know, for the longest time, EA had the sole license to the Star Wars games and some were okay. Some were better than others. Some were just downright terrible, but it was only managed by EA. Well, now they open that up to other developers. So we may get some better quality Star Wars games moving forward. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Hey, they had some uh, good games. I know they've slowly released uh, some gems like uh, (laughs) Star Wars pod racing that we used to play on the Dreamcast. You could get that uh, on the digital stores now, which is cool. Um, So yeah, it could be good. I never played uh, Knights of the Old Republic. They made two of them. Mm-hmm. I never played either one, though, but I've heard great things about the game. Yeah, and the cinematic scenes were beautiful. I mean, from the things that I've seen pop up on my news feeds and, and watched on uh, YouTube. But again, just like everything else, I don't have time for these big epic games. So, mm. uh, you know, if it's something I can pick up, play for 20 minutes, put down, sure, I'll check it out. Right. That's about me, too. Yeah. Speaking of checking things out, uh, Tony, are you excited for E3 this year? I am. Most people are now. Um, it looks like it is still a virtual event, but uh, um, developer, I guess you could call them, Konami is working on several key projects, but it will not be attending E3. The publisher best known for Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill released an update saying its plans to sit this year's show out. Quote, due to timing, we will not be ready to present at E3 this year, Konami wrote in a tweet. We want to reassure our fans that we are in deep development on a number of key projects, so please stay tuned for some updated uh, in the coming months. Konami's announcement is a reversal of the previous confirmation that it would be attending the show scheduled for June. It was originally listed alongside Capcom, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, Cook Media, Nintendo, and Xbox as an E3 2021 attendee. Um, You know, if they have to sit out, and E3, this is probably the one to do it. Again, it's still not an in-person event. Hopefully, they give each developer their own sort of showcase in the virtual space. And, uh, you know, they do it in a way that uh, they really highlight some new, exciting games that are coming out. Yeah, love E3. Just mainly for us being uh, not able to go, I think it's perfect to have the virtual event. Uh, how, like you said, give everybody good showcasing. Uh, Nintendo is supposed to have a huge presence. Sega, Capcom. Uh, Ubisoft, Konami's gone downhill over the years. They haven't made, they've sure they've released the compilations of Contra, Castlevania and stuff, but they didn't even really give those the due diligence they could have had. They could have been a lot better. They were just kind of slapped together like, here you go. 
Um, especially with this resurgence of like retro 2D type games, like what we're going to see in uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Yeah. Do a new version of Castlevania. Do a new version of uh, Contra. You yes. know, something that fans will get excited about. Yeah, or release like things that you just didn't expect coming, you know? Like we don't need another Metal Gear. No. Because you don't have uh, Hideo, Hideo something. I don't know his last name. Mm-hmm. But the creator that's not even there anymore. So, right. And, and just that's the thing. Konami is just, they used to be like, they were the big arcade game guys. They were the X Men, Ninja Turtles, Simpsons, things like that. Like, get us excited. Bring back some nostalgia stuff, you know? Work with Nickelodeon and re release uh, Turtles the arcade game on the Switch or something. Yeah. I know we're getting Shredder's Revenge, but hey, it'd be nice to say like, hey, while Shredder's Revenge is coming, check out the games that it's inspired from or something yep. like that. Yep. Because then and once that- people play that, they're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> And their horror franchise, Silent Hills, Silent Hill, has always been sort of a second-rate Resident Evil. And so, you know, we don't need more uh, Metal Gear. We don't need more Silent Hill. Bring back some of the things that people truly love and crave. Yeah, yeah. Grad- Gradius, Gradius. Was that a fun one? The shooting? Oh, that was a good game. Um, but like Capcom, I know is going to bring it. Um, I really hope. I hope surprises. I there's rumors of games that you're like, okay, like with Nintendo, you expect Zelda. It's the 35th anniversary, so you expect a lot of Zelda news. Like, I'd love, like, a, maybe a Mario Kart 9, you know? Yeah. We haven't yeah. made a new Mario Kart in a long time. Um, One Up Arcade is going to have a presence there. Um, One of their games leaked. I'm sure they're not thrilled about it, but uh, Simpsons Arcade game got yeah. leaked. So they're going to be doing a Simpsons Arcade game, and it's going to have Simpsons Bowling on it as well. well. That's cool. I'm still waiting for them to put the uh, X-Men Arcade on sale. They've been... God, promoting it for almost a year and it still is not on sale yet. Yeah, that that's another big one. So yeah, so that's one of their big leaked games that I'm sure they're not thrilled got out. But uh, hey, that's badass. You get a chance to have the Simpsons arcade game, one of the best uh, beat 'em ups. Uh, but uh, it, it's the same thing, like Ninja Turtle. You got to get these games when you can because when they go, they're gone. Yep. Yep. Well, moving on in video game news. Now, this is something that did take place while we were out last week, but I. I think it's still worth mentioning on how awesome it is that they do did it. The Call of Duty Endowment, the nonprofit charity that helps military veterans, held an in-game event in Call of Duty Warzone in order to raise money to support veteran medics and hospital corpsmen as part of the Military Appreciation Month. Additionally, a new DLC pack for Warzone and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is also being sold to raise funds for the cause. The event is the Rival Challenge, which started uh, April 30th, ran through May 9th, reviving five people in Warzone while unlocking a new Call of Duty endowment calling card. Yay! Should a million players unlock this card, a double XP day will be held for all Warzone players. Additionally, for every revival challenge completed, Activision Blizzard pledged to donate $1 to the charity up to a million dollars, which I think is an awesome thing to incorporate video games with what's happening out in the real life. Yeah, I think that's good. I'm over the Call of Duty games at this point. I've bought in the last two years and I've barely played either one of them. I think I'm just over it. Like it's a like a hundred gigabyte download anymore for the games it eats yeah. up, eats up your whole freaking hard drive. So it's just, eh. yep. Yeah. But they were fun games and I liked them better than yeah. the other war simulation games. Um, Battlefield and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I may pick up a new one, but uh, in the meantime, it's awesome to see that they, that's uh, a great cause though. 
to support those veterans. Exactly. Well, folks, that does it for our show for today. We want to thank you for chiming in. Of course, you can always follow us online anywhere, uh, facebook.com forward slash Proton Pack podcast, or you can find more about the show at phoenixmedia.us forward slash Proton Pack. Tony, anything you want to say to the folks before uh, we head out? Uh, thank you again for uh, supporting us um, and uh, on all our new endeavors and this, hopefully you guys are liking the new format. I know it's a lot shorter and uh, it's not as interactive as it used to be, but check us out on Christian Phoenix where you, it is a little more interactive uh, Monday through Friday. Find us out here on the Phoenix media network. And uh, that's about it. And thank you for support, share, subscribe, uh, like this video, share it. Um, the more eyes we get out there, the more we can do these things for you. So thanks a lot for your continued support. Exactly. Until next week, folks, we'll see you again. I am. Peace. Hasta la vista, baby. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Woo! Mommy, where's Fluffy? Goodbye.